when you try me with a mediocre question, that's the result you're going to get. <laughs> uh, starting left fielder. Uh, Ichiro. No! God, please, no! No! There is some potential there. If he would just, I don't know, use his brain. Um, <laughs> because, especially, I mean, come on, man. Jerry Depoto's the GM. Who the hell knows? Looking out my window and this FedEx driver just hit a tree. You are no gentleman. And neither are you. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the Mojo Podcast. This is Colby Patton. As always, by Ty Gonzalez. Ty, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing pretty good. You know, it was uh, it was a fun night of baseball last night, particularly yeah, indeed the, uh, it was seventh inning. Yeah, the yeah. seventh inning was a lot of fun to watch. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, if uh, I'm sure you guys are well aware, uh, the Astros are down two games to none in the World Series and. Uh, I just couldn't be happier about that. So, I mean, I mean, Ty, what, what are you thinking when you're watching this World Series? Yeah, I'm really surprised. Uh, the Nats jumping out to that 2-0 lead off of Cole and Verlander and the runs that they've been able to put up, 17 runs in the first two games. That's, um, that's pretty spectacular. I don't, I don't think anyone expected this. And, man, uh, going into this off season or going into the postseason, I mean, and even going into the regular season, I don't, I don't, I, I couldn't have ever imagined that the Washington Nationals would be two games away from winning the World Series. Yeah, I I would agree with that. You remember in May they were like fourteen games below five hundred or something like that. Yeah, uh, and people were talking about maybe they should trade Anthony Rendon so they get something for him and. You know, maybe even consider trading Steven Strasburg, yada yada. Um, and now, like you said, they're two wins away from beating the heavily favorited, uh, at least betting wise, the uh, heavy favorites, the Astros. Um, it would be a pretty significant uh, upset, I would say. Uh, even though, you know, I don't know that I believe in World Series upsets because, I mean, the two best teams in baseball. So, I mean, it's really hard to say that one team, you know, drastically upset the other one. Um, yeah, we're not, uh, we're not going to talk too much about the, uh, the off the field situation that the Astros find themselves in. Um, other, other than to say that the assistant general manager is a moron. I, I don't know who's yep. dumber, the, the guy who screamed the stuff or the PR staff who decided the best thing to do was, to deny it happened in front of dozens of witnesses. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty embarrassing um, situation for the whole organization. It's uh, yeah, I, I don't want to get too far into it because it's just going to give me a headache. Uh, yeah. We've said what we have to say on Twitter. It's then it's pretty obvious what what's wrong here, and uh, you know, uh, it's. Uh, Seems pretty obvious to me how to fix it too, but yeah. But you know, now they're uh, now they're getting what they deserve on the field. Yep. Um, so we'll see how all that plays out. Uh, it's uh, like we said, we try to keep the podcast specifically about uh, the Mariners, which is why we don't talk too much about um, really just any other team in general. Uh, we haven't really, 
you know, covered the playoffs all that ext- uh, extensively here. Um, so that's just kind of what we're going to try and do here. Uh, I'm definitely interested to see how this plays out. Uh, it's funny because going into the series, uh, I had really no rooting interest. I didn't ever care um, too much that the Astros were in our division. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, because I know that's a very – well, you can't let the Astros win the World Series. They're in your division. Uh, that doesn't matter to me at all. I couldn't care less. Uh, yeah. But, you know, this this whole thing came out, and all of a sudden I became a huge uh, Nationals fan. So uh, it's – it's nice to have somebody to root against, at least. So, uh, yeah, I think like I think like the Astros over the last couple of years, after the Gurriel situation with Darvish, yep. after uh, you know the trade for Osuna, and then you know publicly defending that move, and the hypocrisy of Justin Verlander and everything. I, I think it's become pretty easy to hate the Astros over the last couple of years. They're still a really fun team, and they're still a really oh, talented yeah. team. Uh, but yeah, they got so much riding against them that it's pretty easy to root against <laughs> it them. is and that's the thing is that i really like a bunch there's a bunch of astros players that i really like they're among my favorite mm-hmm. in the game i really enjoy watching jose altuve play um, yeah george springer seems like an awesome dude uh you know correa is a lot of fun i think i if i remember correctly i picked bregman as my american league mvp uh in our preseason i believe i did too yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we're both fans there, and it just, you know, it's a well-run organization on the field. Um, I like A.J. Hinch, the manager, a lot, too, but, uh, I mean, my God, they're, <laughs> I don't know what their PR strategy is, but it it's terrible, and it needs to be uh, overhauled, and if the Astros aren't going to step up and do the right thing here, hopefully Major League Baseball does, um, but I'm not holding my breath, so... Um, that's about all we need to say on that uh, on that uh, particular topic, though, because the Mariners are actually in the news a little bit. I mean, well, I don't want to call it news. Um, they're in the rumor mill. That's, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, being linked to a couple of outfielders, which is you know somewhat surprising considering the you know the amount of outfielders they have. But we're gonna go ahead. We're gonna look at both of the guys they've been linked to. Um, and talk about whether or not they make sense. So let's start with the big name that everybody uh, knows, and that would be Marcel Ozuna, the outfielder for the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, formerly of the Miami Marlins. He is scheduled to be a free agent. There was a report um, a few days ago by a Dominican uh, reporter um, and then backed up by Hector Gomez, I want to say. Um uh-huh. That says Osuna has a lot of interest already. He is look, seeking a seven-year deal worth $160 million. <laughs> and <laughs> Exactly. And one of the teams being linked as having interest in Osuna is your Seattle Mariners. So, um, Ty, you wrote about this after it happened. Um, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and reiterate, uh, I mean, your pretty clear feelings about uh, this idea. Yeah, well, uh, just to start, the interest makes sense. Jerry Depoto had uh, significant interest in, in acquiring Ozuna when he was still with Miami uh, in Depoto's first offseason in Seattle. Uh, there was uh, reports from people like Jerry Krasnick saying that a deal was close and that uh, the Marlins were even looking at names like Nathan Carnes and Rowanis Elias. Uh, obviously, that deal didn't happen. A couple of years later, Ozuna gets traded to the Cardinals uh, after he was a five-win player in 2017. 
Um, he's a solid player, uh, solid defensively, solid offensively, nothing too spectacular and nothing that's worth $22.5 million per year. <laughs> and he's not going to get that. That really what this boils down to, it's agent speak. Uh, it's just, for lack of a better term, it's uh, bull hockey. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's not anything that I would buy into in terms of numbers. I think more so, especially when you consider the um, free agent market over the last two to three years, especially when it comes to offensive players, yeah. unless you're Bryce Harper or Manny Machado or John Carlos Stanton, you're not getting long-term deals with, you know, 20 plus million AAV. Uh, it's just not going to happen. And even teams were balking at giving Bryce Harper, you know, the contract that he wanted. Teams were bar- balking at giving Manny Machado the deal that he wanted. Um, you know, and there was even concern about if the Angels were going to give Mike Trout what he wanted. And Mike Trout is literally the Michael Jordan of baseball. <laughs> so, you know, that, that that should tell you exactly where we are right now in, the, in, ter- in terms of the market. And you see guys like Whit Merrifield signing for way less than they are, you know, than they are valued. It's, it's Aussie Albies. Aussie Albies, yeah. Ronald Acuna, et cetera. It, it's just, it's a really weird market right now that's way more in favor of the organizations rather than, rather than the players. Um, you're not seeing a whole lot of inflation like you're seeing in the NBA and or the NFL, uh, it's just it's it's really in favor of the of the, uh, of the organizations. But anyway, going back to Ozuna, uh, he's not going to get the contract that he wants. Does it make sense for the Mariners? Mm, kind of. Uh, it, it really depends on what else happens in this offseason. If they are if they're able to trade Malik Smith or Domingo Santana or Mitch Hanniger or you know, getting someone like Ozuna gives them the opportunity now that they've established a quality veteran left fielder that maybe they can go use a Jake Fraley or a Kyle Lewis or someone like that in a trade to go get a starting pitcher, for example, uh, to go out and get something that they really need. But it is kind of strange that of all the positions that they could use an upgrade at, the one that they're being linked to is outfield. And that's their deepest position, not just at the major league level, but throughout the organization because Jared Kelnick's not even up. Uh, Julio Rodriguez is not even up. Uh, and you also have guys like Shed Long who can play outfield. Um, so there are, it, it, there, there's a lot of confusion from my side as to why exactly they would be so interested in someone like Ozuna, especially if he's, is going to open up talks with, I want seven years, $160 million. Um, ultimately, I don't think the Mariners are going to make a, a move like that. You know, a, a while back, earlier in the month, uh, MLB trade rumors said even the Mariners might be opportunistic buyers to go get someone like Starling Marte. Um, I just don't really see that. I, I, I really don't see... In 2020, right now, buying on a veteran outfielder that's either in his 30s or entering his 30s and allocating some of your money that you freed up to a position that you really don't need right now. 
Right. Uh, signing Ozuna to that contract, which, again, I agree with you, that's 100% from the agent. Um, yeah. There's a 0% chance he gets that. Zero. Yeah. Uh, J.D. Martinez couldn't get that, and J.D. Martinez is a significantly better hitter than Ozuna. Um, but, yeah, you know, Ozuna's a, a good player. He's not. He's definitely not a bad player. Um, and yep. If he's your starting corner outfielder, then you're fine. I mean, you said we talked about, you know, 2.8 war, F war in 2018, 2.6 in 2019. Uh, 2017, he was at five, but then at 2016, he was 2.4. It kind of feels like what he is. He's about a, you know, two and a half, three win player. Um, he can still play pretty decent defense in left field or right field. Um, he's got some, you know, he's got probably a slightly above average game power. Um, he doesn't strike out a ton. Uh, this year he took a lot more walks, um, 11% up from 6.1% in 2018. Um, he's a good player. I think the reason he doesn't make sense aside from the money, um, is actually that he's not a center fielder anymore. Um, when you look at the Mariners, they have a lot of guys who are corner outfielders. Um, you know, we look at Julio Rodriguez, he, he's a corner outfielder. Jake Fraley and Braden Bishop are really the only two that you feel great about in center field. And even Fraley, you're probably more comfortable if he's your left fielder, um, which just leaves Bishop. And if you don't know if Bishop's going to hit, then center field could be an area of need because, I mean, like I said, Kelnick can handle it, but he's better off in a corner. You don't have that true center fielder who's just, you know, a gold glove quality guy um, other than Bishop. And if Bishop can't hit, his defense is kind of irrelevant, um, at least as an everyday player. Now, back in the day, Osuna could play center field, and he was actually um, you know, he's pretty good at it early in his career. Um, yep. You know, I would say average, slightly above average. Um, he's not that anymore. In fact, he hasn't played center field since 2017. And even in 2017, he only played 18 innings out there. Um, he's not a center fielder anymore. So you start looking at this and you go, um, you know, I, I think most of this is the Mariner or the Mariners were linked to him in the past. Therefore, they're still interested in him now. Um, I think that's pretty much the line being drawn here. And I just, I don't buy it. Um, you look at 2016, 2017, when the Mariners were interested, they were still in that kind of, you know, we going to make a playoff push mode. Um, that made a lot more sense. Now it doesn't make any sense. Um, to me at least also, there's a decent chance he's going to get the qualifying offer. You're going to give up a third round pick to sign Marcelo Zuna to a hundred million dollar contract or whatever it is. No, you're not. So it just, one of those things that just doesn't fit. And I think Osuna is a good player. And if he's coming in on a one-year deal or a two-year deal, uh, then fine. I mean, that's, you know, it's probably going to be able to get something for him in trade eventually. He's not going to clog up the uh, the outfield. He's not a bad defender like, you know, Domingo Santana or whatever. But basically, I mean, I look at it and I say the Mariners are essentially trading or they would essentially be giving Domingo Santana seven years, $160 million. I mean, is Domingo Santana worth that? No, he's not. So neither is Osuna. Um, Luke Arkins, uh, prospect insider, he had a really nice comparison uh, where he compared uh, Osuna to Mitch Haniger. Um, 
and they're both the same age. You know, the numbers are extremely similar. Obviously, Hanniger's had some injury issues the last two years, which kind of, you know, levels the playing field a bit. But if you're going to give 7-160 to Ozuna, wouldn't you much rather give it to Mitch Hanniger and just kind of lock him in as your, you know, your starting right fielder? Um, I just, I don't see much here that makes a ton of sense unless we're talking about a one or two year deal. And while that's really unrealistic, I mean, you talked about the market. It's possible Ozuna's sitting out there in February and you get to a point where you're just like, look, I need, I need to get into a camp. I need to play. And maybe that's the play. I don't know. I just, I don't see much of a fit here. Um, and that's even assuming they trade uh, like we expect. They trade Malik's, Domingo, Hanager, a couple of those guys. Um, I just doesn't seem like a fit to me at all. Um, we'll see, but I, I think your original assessment about this being straight from the agent um, and just kind of throwing in the Mariners because they were interested in the past, I think that's probably what happened here. All right, so Osuna's a no from both of us. Um, or let me ask you, is there a number, a contract that if the Mariners signed Osuna to, you would be like, okay, I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, that's yeah, fine. Like, uh, three, three for 40, yeah. maybe, something like that. I mean, AJ Pollock got like four for sixty or something like that. Um, yeah. So and, maybe like three for forty-five. Yeah, something I can like that. Something like that. And like I said, I'm not going to get mad at the Mariners for adding a a good player. And I think you know we can all agree Osuna is a good player. He's not a great player, um, and he may not be any better than um, than Jake Fraley next year. Uh, you know what I mean? Like in terms of war so what's the point um but yeah i think anything over three years it's really questionable anything over 14 15 million aav um that's just downright stupid so um we'll see what happens with that but um i wouldn't put too much stock in this it just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me at all so let's go let's jump over to the other player who the uh mariners have been linked to recently um or i guess last week um but it's, it's a name that's not as familiar to Mariner fans or really any Major League Baseball fans. Uh, Shogo Akiyama, who is a center fielder, plays for the Cebu Lions uh, in the Japanese Baseball League. Uh, longtime teammate with Yusei Kikuchi. Um, apparently the Mariners have been looking at him. They've been scouting him pretty seriously this year. Um, so, Ty, what do you know about Shogo Akiyama? And what do you think of the idea of signing the 32 year old outfielder uh i'm gonna be honest not a whole lot like don't know a whole lot about him uh seeing that he is a really solid hitter and has really come on over the last five years or so four or five years um not too sure about his defense maybe you can fill in the gaps there on that um but it's interesting uh that they're you know, as you said, kind of heavily scouting a 31 going on 32 year old 
um, outfielder, <laughs> especially, you know, given what I just talked about when it comes to Zuna, you're really strong in the outfield. Now, that shouldn't scare a team from adding talent. That shouldn't scare the Mariners from adding talent. That, But overall, it's just right now, it adds to the logjam. So I got to see what their plan is first in terms of Domingo, in terms of Malik's, in terms of Haniger, in terms of what they want to do in terms of uh, Jake Fraley and Kyle Lewis, if they're going to trade from that crop. Uh, Braden Bishop as well. Uh, I don't know. I, I really, I, it's interesting, and I think it's something that they should look at, uh, especially if they do trade, you know, from their crop of veteran outfielders. Right. Um, so I've been able to dig up a little dirt on Akiyama, um, and so I guess I'll go ahead and share what I found. Uh, Good bat-to-ball skills. He's going to make contact at the big league level. Also understands the strike zone. Uh, he'll take his fair share of walks. There is a little bit of swing and miss in the game, but it's not too bad. It's his, like his bat-to-ball skill is still well above average. Um, power has emerged the last three years in Japan. Uh, probably limited to about 20 home runs a year at the big league level, depending on the ball and where he ends up um, in terms of offensive home ballpark. Um, but he's probably a 20 home run guy, not a great base stealer. He'd probably get you uh, 10 bags, um, but is a good base runner. So there's that kind of a Guillermo Heredia type of uh, base runner there. Um, defensively, was a great center fielder, has kind of fallen the last couple of years, but is still above average at the spot. Um, should be able to handle it for a few more seasons without hurting his team. Um, and, uh, you know, that's just about it. So he's 32 years old. Um, the power has improved each of the last three years. Uh, he puts the ball in play. He doesn't strike out. He's above average. He's probably a 50, 55 grade runner, um, probably a 45 grade base stealer. And defensive wise, he's probably still a 55 center fielder. Um, when he drops to 50, it could be as soon as next year. It could be a couple years from now. Um, but he's a polished outfielder. He takes good routes. He understands the ballpark. He works hard at the craft and he can make some really good plays based on his jumps and the routes he takes. So um, to me, sounds like an everyday player. Um, but that's kind of the challenge here is do the Mariners consider him to be an impact bat or do they think he's, you know, Jake Fraley? Um, because if he's Jake Fraley, there's no reason to give him money. Uh if they think he's impact or potentially more, um, then yeah, they should be interested in that. It's, it's, um, something I've been saying all off season. I've been writing at least all off season. I don't know if I've ever actually said it on the podcast, but, um, major league baseball teams should never let depth get in the way of acquiring impact. Impact is more important than depth. So again, if you think Akiyama, who's going to be 32 years old, um, in March, I believe, if you think he is an impact everyday starter, you think he's a three, four win start player at the big league level, then you should be interested in him. Um, whether he plays center field or not, whether you have to move some guys around to make it happen. So what do it. Um, what really muddies the waters here for me is the cost. I don't know what Akiyama's looking for or what he'll get. 
it doesn't sound like the interest is like crazy at the major league level. Um, there's definitely teams interested, um, but it doesn't sound like we're looking at another, um, you know, Tanaka, you Darvish, crazy bidding war type of thing. We may be looking at something in the realm of what you say Kikuchi got, um, or that kind of structure at least. So, uh, without knowing kind of how teams value him or whatever, he's, he's tough to peg, but, uh, I am. I'm definitely interested, um, depending on the price, um, and because we'll never know the price until he actually signs. I don't know if he's a fit or not. I don't. Um, but I think there's a chance there that he's an impact player. And if he's an impact player, and the Mariners think he is as well, then I'm definitely interested. So, um, you know, Akiyama doesn't like I say he doesn't sound like he's you know six seven win. Ichiro impact, you know, type of player, but three or four wins, that's, you know, borderline all-star. So um, if he's available and he's cheap because other teams aren't all that interested in him, then sign me up. Yeah, I um, I think it makes sense as long as you're not having to get roped into a, uh, a long-term deal. Uh, that's really just my biggest concern. Right. I mean, he's 32. Um yeah. Kikuchi was 28 when he came over, so it's pretty significant uh, age bump there. Um, but uh, anyways, I just I, I think you know that's going to be a pretty common theme with how we uh, view the offseason, or at least how I view it, um, is depth versus impact. I love Braden Bishop. Is he more than a number four outfielder? I do not know. And if I have an opportunity to get somebody who pushes Braden Bishop, you know, to the number five outfield spot or makes him expendable and trade, then I'm going to do it. Um, because we're talking about an accelerated timeline here where the Mariners want to be competitive by 2021. Now, does competitive mean win the World Series? I don't think so. Um, does it mean getting back to where they were in 2017 and 2018? I think that's what they mean when they say we're going to be competitive by 2021 and then they're going to build on top of that. So um, if Akiyama is a guy that they think can help them, you know, for three years at his current level, then they should be interested in that. So they should be interested in any player that they think can sustain that for three years. So, um, yeah, it could be very similar to when the Astros got Gurriel. That was right before they, uh, they really went in on everything. You know, that's, um, you might as well jump out in front of these things if the opportunity is there. Uh, you're going to have to get impact at some point, especially if you want to make this window of 2021, 2022. And if, um, you know, if Akiyama is that, like you said, then there should be no excuse not to go and try and get that guy. Uh, but it really just depends on how they view that and how they view how he fits into their timeline and everything. And, you know, that's stuff that they, you know, probably have significantly more in, uh, information on. We <laughs> well, do. they so, better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, hopefully we'll learn a little bit more about this like we did uh, last year with the Kikuchi thing. Um, you guys remember last offseason we kept telling you the Mariners are contenders for Kikuchi. The Mariners are contenders for Kikuchi. And undoubtedly, every time we said that, we would get pushback. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. Well, what do you know? There he is. So we're hoping we get more information like that as the winter progresses, but we'll see. Um, 
like I said, I'm not a, I'm not a scout, and I am limited to what I saw on YouTube, which isn't a lot, and a little bit of information I can glean from other people. Um, I think there's a chance there he's an everyday player at least. Um, if not, he's a really solid number four outfielder. How much is that worth to the Mariners? I don't know. We'll see what the Mariners think. They certainly have uh, more trained eyes, and they have more, um, you know, they've had more looks at him than I ever will. So um, we'll see what they decide. But I'm interested, uh, but not, you know, not going to go crazy for him. So we'll see how all that works out. Uh, one other thing I wanted to get to before we get to a, we have a few questions that got kind of left over from last week's podcast, uh, but there is one other thing I wanted to address, kind of calling an audible. Um, the uh, the athletic, um, you guys don't know, a great subscri- uh, subscription uh, website. Um, the athletics, uh, Corey Brock, he wrote an article about the Mariners and how they're going to go after um, starting pitching this off season. That's, um, you know, to no surprise to anybody. Um, but the uh, pitching they're going after has a caveat to it. And this is something we've talked about. And it probably isn't a surprise to anybody here. Uh, the caveat is that the, um, well, it's it's that the pitcher is going to have to be somebody who uh, meets certain criteria. And one of them is that um, they want somebody who's stable but also isn't going to um, let's clog a spot from Justin Dunn and uh, and eventually Logan Gilbert. So uh, there was a few names that got dropped in that article. Um, so Ty, I just want to quickly uh, mention uh, a few of them and get your thoughts on a f- on those guys. So you ready for sure. this? Sure. All right. Um, so first pitcher that gets mentioned here. Um, again, this is Corey Brock of the athletic, really good writer, uh, knows his stuff. So, um, real, real fast here. Uh, DePoto's quote was surfing at the top of the rotation in the free agent market is probably a little premature for where we are in our growth. I would say any type of premium audition, uh, additions for us, we would see more as an opportunity buy or an op- opportunity trade this off season. And that's a phrase he's used a few times opportunity. All right. So we're not yeah. talking about Garrett Cole. Get that out of your head. All right. Uh, first name mentioned, Tyson Ross, who had the fourth best ground ball rate uh, last season, uh, 51.3%. He had elbow and neck issues last year as well. Um, and, uh, you know, that's just – it's a lot of that depends on the baseball too. He, uh, that's Ross is a ground ball guy. The ground ball pitchers – the new baseball really kind of screwed with him this year. But Tyson Ross, uh, Ty, what do you think? Um, solid guy, not really dependable because of the health concerns over the last uh, few years. Really, uh, you know, he had a pretty healthy year last year, uh, 2018. Um, but outside of that, you know, he came back from, what was it, Tommy John? Yeah, Tommy John back in like 2016, I, I want to say. Um, yeah. You know, that's that's a bit concerning. Um, the elbow issue is that on the throwing elbow, I would assume the one that Uh, he had surgery on. Yeah. So that, that's kind of scary a little bit, but I mean, he's a guy that's probably going to come on a minor league deal. Um, and I mean, there's really no, um, there's nothing wrong. Yeah. There's no downside to that. So yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. I think Ross as a minor league deal makes a lot of sense. Um, 
you know, uh, one of the guys we talked about, uh, or one of the guys I've talked about, uh, Drew Smiley on a minor league deal. I would love to see that uh, come to fruition. Um, yeah. But, uh, okay, next name that is offered up is a name that should be somewhat familiar to Mariners fans. Uh, that would be Tanner Rourke, or Roark. Is it Rourke? Or yeah. Roark. Roark. Uh, yeah. Roark, okay. I, there's a scene in the movie called um, A Time to Kill. Uh, uh, it's a great movie, by the way. It's got Matthew McConaughey and Samuel L. Jackson, and it's based on a John Grisham book. Sandra Bullock's in it. Um, and anyway, Sandra Bullock's from New, uh, Boston, and she goes down south, and her name is Rourke. Um, and, of course, everybody in the south pronounces it Roark. So uh, I've, just, I've never been quite sure how to pronounce that ever since, and I watched that movie a lot, so. A little hazy on on the pronunciation there, but uh, Tanner Roark, uh, Roark, however you want to pronounce it, um, you know, uh, Corey Brock mentions that uh, he fits in very well with the uh, control the zone mantra. As uh, last season, Roark posted a 2.78 walks per nine, which is actually up a little bit from 2018 when he was at two and a half walks per nine. So, uh, Ty Tanner Roark, what do you think? Yeah, he's always been a really solid innings leader. He's kind of Mike Leak, yep. maybe a little bit better than Mike Leak. Um, not the athlete that Leak is, but really just uh, been a solid, solid pitcher for, for the last, I don't know, five seasons, I want to say, four or five yep. seasons. He's been really good. Um, you know, he had a really solid year with Cincinnati this year, and Cincinnati was able to, to – trade him over to Oakland and uh, I forget what they got for him, but I, I would assume it was probably something pretty decent. And, uh, and that's kind of the guy that you, that, that would be my ideal like veteran pitching acquisition for the Mariners. Someone that can give you a lot of innings and can get you something on the trade market eventually when you want that spot opened up. Sure. Um, since 2014, uh, Tanner Roark is a, uh, has been in the rotation, uh, the Nationals rotation, and of course now the Reds and the Oakland A's rotation uh, since 2014, with the exception of 2015 when he only made 12 starts. But eliminating the 2015 season, in 2014 he threw 198 innings, 2016 to 10, 17 he threw 181, uh, 18 he threw 180. <coughs> uh, this year he threw 165. His F WAR in those seasons. 3.3, 3, 3.3, 2.8, 2.2, 2. Um, his ERA is going to be in the mid, you know, in the mid fours ish, mid to low fours. Um, ground ball percentage has gone down, but the strikeouts have gone up. Uh, yeah, he's just kind of a, a number four ish starting pitcher um, who's extremely durable. And, uh, you know, he's turns, uh, he just turned 33 years old, so he's not a young guy either. Yeah, this is very Mike Leak-like. Um, and I think because there's not a ton of upside here, there's a pretty good chance he's only looking at a one- or two-year deal um, this offseason because, I I mean, how many contenders are going to go out of their way to sign Tanner Rourke? Probably not I think, Yeah, I think there will be some interest uh, in him on the market from contending teams. But, you know... The main focus is going to be on guys like Garrett Cole, Zach Wheeler, et cetera. And until those guys go off of the board, I don't think you'll see much talk about Roark. Um, yeah, Lance Lynn got what three 
at thirty million dollars total last off season or whatever. Yeah, that was an absolute steal for the Rangers. Um, I don't think Roark has the swing and miss stuff, but I think you know that's you can swing three thirty for him. Then I'm definitely interested because that's a guy you're probably going to be able to trade. Uh, when I mean, he almost averaged a, a K per nine last year. Yeah, like, it was, yeah. yeah. And he was at 8.24 in 2017. Um, you know, he's just he's kind of evolving as a pitcher. Fewer ground balls, a few more strikeouts. Um, and that's probably a guy who would really benefit from them going back to the old baseball as well, um, which we don't know if Major League Baseball is going to do. But, you know, if they do, that'd be nice. Um, so the next name on this list, but yeah, uh, real, fit, real quick, I'm definitely interested in Roark if he's interested in us, or Roark, however you want to pronounce it. If he signs, I'll learn how to say it. Um, <laughs> next up on the list here is uh, Andrew Kashner. Um, you guys probably remember Andrew Kashner. He has not been the best starter in the world recently, but again, we're, we're looking for stop gaps and, you know, just kind of fill ins who aren't going to block uh, Dunn or Gilbert. So, um, you know, Corey Brock does mention that. Um, he had a, a really good uh, 35.6% rate in terms of the least hard contact and also a really good ground ball rate at 50%. Um, so I, I don't know. What do you think of Andrew Kashner? Yeah, he's a very streaky pitcher. He does yeah. eat innings. He, he's you know been around the 150, 160 range the last three years. Uh, got to 184 back in 2015. But uh, he's a guy that, you know, the last two years he's, he's spent pitching in Camden Yards, so that does yeah. not help you a whole lot. And then he went to Fenway, which can be a death knell, too, for, for pitchers. So it's, uh, I don't, you know, I'm really, really unsure about him and about what kind of pitcher he really is. I think he might be someone that's a Mike Leak. Sure. You know, or, uh, but I don't. I, he's fine. He like don't get me wrong. I would be totally fine if they got him. Uh, he's a guy that can give you, uh, you know, quality starter two here and there, and um, would be a fine stopgap and might actually get you something on the trade market eventually. He has been able to be traded a couple times now at the deadline, and uh, you probably won't get a whole lot for him, but it's better than nothing. Yeah. yeah. So. I- yeah, I, I, I'm for it. I, I really don't have a problem with that. Right. One of the things that uh, Brock does mention here, and it's a, it's a good point, is that the Mariners are likely going to target players that you wouldn't think that they would have much interest in and just kind of turn them over to their analytics and their, uh, their pitching, uh, you know, their pitching uh, team, basically, and see what they can get, um, a la Brandon Brennan and Austin Adams and Corey Sadzik. Um, you know, the Mariners seem to be pretty good, at least right now they are, at introducing new pitches or changing pitch mix or making minor adjustments and watching a guy really explode. Um, they've done it a few times out of the bullpen. Now it's time to see if they can do it out of the rotation. But I think pitcher development is one of the areas I'm um, most comfortable in in terms of the Mariners' uh, current, you know, system. So, um I'm interested to see how that goes. Uh, those are the three names you mentioned. I did want to throw one more name at you, though, because um, this is a guy I'm definitely interested in. That would be Rick Porcello of uh, the Boston yes. Red Sox. Yep, turns 31 years old. 
um, in, at the end of the year, uh, December 27th, uh, won the Cy Young Award back in, what was it, 2016? Um, he has he was not good uh, last year at all, uh, posting a 5.52 ERA, a 4.76 FIP. Uh, ground ball rate dropped to 31, 38.1%. Um, the K rate dropped back down to 7.38. Um, but we talked about this. He's an innings eater. He doesn't walk guys. And there's a chance that you can flip him uh, for a pretty decent prospect or two at the deadline. So, I mean, what do you think, Rick Porcello? Yeah, 100% yes. Yeah. I, I, I think what you're probably going to end up having to do with Porcello is you're going to have to offer him a lot of money on a one-year deal to get him here. Um, $16 million. Yeah, that's what $16-$17 million. Um, last year he made $21 million, um, but obviously he was really bad um, this last year, and he wasn't even all that good in 2017. Um, you know, his, his, you look or at his 27, yeah, 20, yeah, 2017, 2018, yeah. 2019 were just I mean, pretty meh. Yeah. You look at since 2010, he's made 27 or more starts in every season. Um, he's also gone the last, what, four years without missing a start at all. Um, so in, in those, since 2011, you know, you're looking at, i sorry, 2010, you're looking at. Oh, an F4 of 2, 2.3, 3, 2.9, 3, 1.7, 5.1. That's a Cy Young season. Uh, 2, 2.4. And even this last year when he wasn't very good, 1.8. Um, yeah, that's a guy who's going to eat, you know, 160, 170 innings and be at least a two-win pitcher, I think. Um, so, yeah, he, also he's going to be 31. Uh, he's not going to get the long-term contract off of this injury or off of this uh, season. Um, so if I can convince him, Hey, you know, here's one at 16, come here to Seattle, which is a good place to pitch, um, work back some of your value. Maybe you like it here. Maybe you kind of revert back to your 2016 self and we have an opportunity to resign you. Then that'd be great. If not, then we're probably going to be able to trade you. So, um, I, I think it's a, a deal that could be uh, mutually beneficial, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in on Rick Porcello. Um, there's probably going to be a lot of guys we'll talk about in this fashion as the season goes on. But those are a few that Corey Brock came up with that I thought were interesting. And then obviously the one did that he mentioned, did he mention Porcello? No, he did not. Oh, okay. um, I see just the three there, but um, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you just go ahead and uh, you just go ahead and, you know, use deductive reasoning there. Um, if they're in on guys like Kashner or Rourke, they're probably in on Porcello too. Um, mm. And I mean, Porcello kind of defines opportunistic buy, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I, I think Porcello's probably a, going to, the Mariners are going to be interested in Porcello. Whether or not he is interested in Seattle, we'll see. Um, I think if they make an, a, you know, an aggressive you know, 15 to $17 million a year offer, then I think he probably would be, so. Um, anyways, let's go ahead. Let's jump over to the questions. We have a few that got kind of left over from last week. And then, uh, we got a few on Twitter that I, uh, that I liked and thought was an interesting conversation worth having. So let's go ahead and let's start with this question, um, that we got from as it loads. <laughs> uh, here we go. We got this from Steve Canfield 10 on Twitter. 
at Steve Canfield 10. Um, he would like to know the Mariners, uh, how the Mariners would have done in 2019 if DePoto and company had committed to one more year of contention. Um, obviously, that means they don't trade Cano, Diaz, Paxson, Zanino, um, etc. So, Ty, I mean, I, I don't know. How do you think the Mariners do this year if they, if they, I guess, keep everybody from last year? You know, because I, I don't know. You keep everybody from last year. There's not a lot of money to make improvements. And also, you know, if you're only going to try to go for it one more year, um, are you going to hand out three, four, five-year contracts to, you know, A.J. Pollock to try and win that year? What I mean, like, it's kind of a tough question to answer, but um, or even frame. But let's just assume they brought back everybody uh, this last year and made modest improvements um, like they had done the previous offseason, basically. I don't know. Yeah. How good do you think the Mariners would have been this year? 74 wins. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, you know, maybe 80, 81. Like, I think that's probably about when they max out. Yeah, like, um, I mean, when you think about, like, the players that they lost, really, James Paxton was the one that stood above the rest. Uh, sure. Cano got, got hurt. Diaz really struggled. Zanino Basically got benched in favor of uh, Travis Arnaud. Um Segura was basically Crawford. Yeah, Segura, like, I mean, for the first half of the season, Segura was really good. And then, you know, the, the Phillies kind of, fall, uh, kind of fell off the face of the earth. And then Segura posted a 92 WRC+, plus, which is the worst he's had since 2015. So... And he had a negative offensive war. He, yeah, it was just not a good season for him. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Pretty much Paxton had a good year, and Nelson Cruz had a good year. Uh, yeah, 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 that's that's true. But, I mean, you know, Nelson Cruz had plenty of good years in Seattle, and that didn't really amount right. to much. Right, and so. I, I guess kind of the problem with this, though, is, I mean, like, are we assuming that, if Robinson Cano was in Seattle, he doesn't get hurt because um, I'm not assuming that. Are we assuming that if Edwin Diaz doesn't go to the Mets, he's not as terrible? I mean, I think maybe that's a possibility, but we don't know. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, I think people overlook Diaz had one elite year and the year before it was just good. I mean, it was really good, but it wasn't elite. And then 2018, he had the elite year and that's when the Mariners traded him. And so uh, I, you know, regression was going to come regardless of where he pitched. Um, but yeah, you know, that's the thing is that we sit here and we say, well, they didn't play that well. We don't know how they would play in Seattle. And that what's, that's what makes this really hard. Um, but for me, yeah, I, I don't think I, they're not going to win 89 games again. They weren't. Um, and even if they did, who cares? They still 10 games back of a playoff spot. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I I guess to me, I would say they just if they pushed off rebuilding one more year. I think they probably max out at like 83, 84 wins. Um, and they also uh, take a severe hit on the value of Edwin Diaz or Robinson Cano becomes completely untradeable. Uh, Paxson maybe gets you Sheffield, maybe. Um, you know, Segura probably. Eh probably not going to get you Crawford at that point. Um, I said, I, I think 
the reward for selling when they did is significantly higher than, you know, an 83 win season or whatever, somewhere 74 to 80 wins, you know, which I think is fair. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think them, you know, I don't think they decided one more year, they would have been better off for it. Um, because they weren't going to win 98 games or whatever it took to make the playoffs without significant additions. And it was pretty clear they were not going to make significant additions. Um, you know, they couldn't, they were, they weren't going to go over their payroll and they were too close up against it to go get those guys. So, um, I think, you know, you probably win what they win this year, 68 games. Yeah. I think they, yeah, I think probably 75 to 80 somewhere in there. Um, so, I mean, you feel so much better about the Mariners' future if they win 80 games this year? No. Um, yeah, I, I don't think they would probably be a, you know, a decent team. They wouldn't be a great team, and they wouldn't have the farm system to go trade, you know, to go get the guys who would make you great. So um, I think it's an interesting question. I've been doing the, uh, the, trade, the retroactive uh, grading of the trades um, based only on 2019, and... I haven't factored in the Paxton deal yet um, to that equation, but Paxton's worth, I don't know what, four wins or whatever. Um, we do that live right now. James Paxton's F4 was... 3.5. 3.5. All right. Sheffield's F4 was... 0.3. 0.3. So, um, and then you add in Swanson, which I'm assuming is a negative. Um, that probably cost you about three wins this year, that trade did. Um, yeah, Swanson was negative 0.3. So that erases yeah, so Sheffield. Cost you three and a half wins, roughly, that trade yeah. in 2019. Um, so I guess if you had held on to Paxson, you'd be at 71. <laughs> Although, you know, you basically replaced Paxson with Tommy Malone. So, I mean, I don't. Tommy Malone's uh, was probably 1.0 or something like that, pretty close to it. Um, uh, negative point. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, 0.1. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you basically lost three wins um, from the Paxson trade. And every other trade, you basically came out even or slightly ahead. Um, yeah, all the trades based on the quick math we just did probably cost you about five wins this year. Seventy-three. I mean, and that and that's if you know Diaz struggles like he did and Cano doesn't stay healthy. So yeah, they were they but, struggled. But I mean, a closer can only do so much for you. Yeah, I mean, you're talking <laughs> you gotta about. Got to be in I a mean, position to win for that player to even be valuable for you. Exactly. So, so um, it's just, I think their ceiling was about five hundred um, if they had held on one more year, and then they'd be in such a terrible spot this year, uh, this off season that, I mean, I couldn't see how they could even possibly come out of it, to be honest with you. So, um, yeah. it's great that, uh, you know, it's, I think it's great that, um, that they did what they did and when they did it, I think it, it was absolutely the right course of action and I'm glad they did it. And I hope they continue to, uh, to think critically like that and not really pay attention to what the fans want and just kind of, you know, keep their rebuild going. So, um, thanks for the question there. Like I said, it was an interesting one. Um, but let's, let's move on here to a question, 
question from uh, uh, Chris Williams, who is at ZipKidCW on Twitter. Interesting name. Um, Chris asks, um, he says, well, the Red Sox want to cut salary. David Price has three years at $96 million left on his deal. How much would he be worth for three years on the open market? Um, and then he asked, if the Mariners offered something like D. Gordon for him, which side would need more? Um, so let's answer the question real fast. David Price on the open market. Um, I think we can come to an agreement. He's not getting $32 million a year. Yeah, I'd say he's probably worth three for 50. Maybe. Three for 60. I don't know. Somewhere there. Yeah, I don't know. I'd probably say three for, I don't know, three for 70 because of the name carries a little bit of weight. Um, Yeah. $65, $70 $65, $70 million, I think, for three years, somewhere in there. Uh, somewhere between 20 and $25 million, uh, I think, is relatively fair. Um, so we're talking about um, David Price. Uh, quick little rundown. 2019, David Price made 22 starts that covered 107.1 innings, struck out 10.73 hitters per nine, walked 2.68, uh, had a 3.62 FIP, a uh, 4.28 ERA, a 2.3 F4 with a 41% ground ball rate. Did have some issues with the home runs, set a new career high in home run uh, to fly ball ratio, as to be expected. Um, you know, 2018, he was roughly the same type of pitcher. Uh, 2017, he uh, only made, uh, you know, 11 starts and 74 innings. So uh, the last three years when he's pitched, he's been good. Um Hasn't been great. Um, so, and like we said, he's 34 years old. I think Price is yeah, probably 20 to $25 million a year type of guy. And I think probably would get a three- or four-year deal. I, mean, I think that's about right, don't you? Yeah. Somewhere yeah. in that range. Oh. All right. Um, and so then uh, Chris also wants to know, if the Mariners offered something like D. Gordon – who's owed $14 million, uh, which side would need more? Um, all right, so let's – I mean, the way I kind of look at this is you take away price. Gordon takes off $14 million off of Price's contract. Um, so you're looking at 382 now. Yep, which is still, in my opinion, above market value for what he's worth, um, but not crazy above. Um so I don't know, Ty. What do, who think? What do you think of that proposal? Where do you think you know? Where do you think the additions come from? And I I don't know. What do you think? Um. Yeah, it's it's really strange. I I, I think the Mariners would uh, if the Reds because the Red Sox are going to want more than D Gordon, clearly. Uh, but. I think for the Mariners to be comfortable in adding maybe another uh, or maybe adding something of substance, they would look to dump another salary. Um, trying to think here. Hold on, let me pull up spot track. I just, I think, <laughs> I said, I, I think you know the Mariners. I don't know that the Mariners would do that because that's a big chunk of change to 
to give to somebody who's going to clog up your rotation. I mean, he's still, like I said, he's still probably a number three, a really good number three, maybe a number two. Um, and I don't think, you know, giving him three at 84 or whatever we saw, 82, I don't think that's ridiculous. Um, but I don't, I, because again, the Red Sox want to, they want to shed payroll. Uh, so David Price is kind of the obvious guy to trade. Uh, but D Gordon is not, you know, a free player by any means. Um, he does make some sense for, for a Boston. Boston doesn't have the best, uh, second base situation right now, but I think the Mariners would almost definitely have to, uh, have to pay more. Um, so I, and I just, I don't know if there's a good fit there. I mean, did you find anything? Yeah, not, yeah. They really isn't in terms of like salary dump. Maybe, you know, someone like Domingo Santana would make sense for the, for the Red Sox. Um, especially if they're, yeah, so maybe, but at that point, I would probably want someone like Michael Chavis back. Yeah, you know, it just it's really hard to see a good fit between these two teams. Um, I said, and you know, the obvious ele- elephant in the room is is that uh, uh, David uh, David Price has never been a big fan of uh, T-Mobile Park, and. Mariners fans have never really been a big, you know, fan of his. Um, thanks in large part to those, uh, um, you know, those comments that he made. So, um, you know, it's just really tough to see a fit. I think David Price, if enough money is eaten, is a really good avenue to explore. Um, makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, he does not have a no trade clause, but he will after. Uh, this season, he'll have the 10-5 rights, um, no trade clause, so uh, he can't stop a trade anywhere, um, which I guess helps the uh, the Mariners a little bit. Um, you know, I just, I don't, he also, by the way, had wrist surgery recently, so, I mean, he's not entirely healthy. I would be happy with the idea of David Price, and if he comes at the, at the right price, no pun intended, um, then... Yeah, I think I'm. I, I think I'm fine with that. I just I don't know what he's going to be after, or what the Red Sox are going to be after, and how much money the Mariners are going to have to eat. Um, because this isn't a pure salary dump. I mean, David Price is still a valuable player. I just I don't know, man. The I, only thing that makes kind of sense, and I I don't think the Mariners would ever even dream of doing this, is Kyle Seager. For him, uh, yeah, but, but you know, it sucks. But they Devers. got, yeah, they have Devers. And hasn't Devers played like second base in his career though? I, I I don't know off the top of my head. Um, I can furiously look it up, but uh, I mean, I just don't know if it just it's so hard to find a fit here. It really is. Yeah, I don't. I, I just. I don't think. I don't think there is one. I mean, maybe there's a three-team deal out there that makes some sense, but I. I don't know because again, if the Red Sox. We're working off the premise the Red Sox want to cut salary, and since they're honestly talking about trading Mookie Betts and you know J.D. Martinez and that type of thing, that seems to be a fair assumption. Um, and by the way, uh, 
Raphael uh, Devers has never played, um, never played second base. In fact, he's only played third base, with the exception of two innings he played at shortstop this year. Um, so, but yeah, so I just yeah. again, unless you're getting to the point where the Red Sox are adding valuable prospects to David Price to get rid of him, um, and you can also flip D Gordon there, I just don't see that as a possibility because. Worst case scenario, you hold on to D. Gordon for a year, you pay him his $1 million buyout, and his salary is off the books. Whereas if you acquire David Price, that salary is staying on the books. So we'll see. I, I'm certainly not opposed to adding David Price, um, especially, again, if the money makes sense. Um, like I said, I, I think it's pretty easy for, would be pretty easy for somebody to convince me that, you know, a David Price trade was a good trade. Um, that the Mariners found a way to make it really interesting. Um, but I just, I, there just seems to be too many hurdles there for me. Um, but I think it's a, I think it's an interesting question. So, um, I thought we'd address that David price to the Mariners. Maybe, uh, unlikely, but maybe. All right. So let's go ahead and, uh, let's move on to our final question here. Um, this one is also from uh, Chris. Uh, he wants to know, um, kind of a segue off the uh, David Price question here, if, the, if you found out the Mariners were trading for a star pitcher, um, he mentions you know Chris Sale, Garrett Cole, whatever, and had to give up Kelnick or Julio, who would you prefer Jerry trade and why? Hmm. I mean, we've kind of answered Probably. this. Yeah, probably Julio. You know, we've talked about how Kelnick is just the better all-around player. Yeah. Um, I think that's just more valuable to you as a true five-tool talent. Um, and if you're able to still get that same quality of pitcher with Julio, I would probably pick Julio. Though I love Julio. <laughs> sure. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think... I, I guess I would start here. Um, it's totally possible that the uh, the star pitcher the Mariners are getting are not worth Julio or Kelnick for me. Um, right. Because, I mean, obviously there's certain criteria. You want the pitcher you're acquiring to be young and controllable. Um, and those guys don't get traded. Or if you have those guys, you're probably a pretty good team. Like, the Mariners are not going to get Walker Bueller from the Dodgers. It doesn't make sense for the Dodgers. You know what I mean? Like the teams yeah. with the young, controllable star starting pitching, they're almost all contenders. Um, you know, the Braves aren't going to trade Soroka. They don't need to. They're they're there. You know, so it just and I'm not really interested in trading, you know, big prospects for Zach Granke or the Justin Verlander types. Um, the one name that kind of jumps out to me in this scenario would be Blake Snell. Um, he's 26 years old. He's controlled through the 2023 season. He's only making $10 million a year. Um, you know, obviously this year he had some injury issues and he took a step back from, um, you know, his fantastic season last year. Did he win the Cy Young last year? I think he did. Didn't he? Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he took a step back from there, but really the underlying numbers are all well within the range of, uh, plausible outcomes. If the Mariners could get Blake Snell, uh, I would give up either one of them. Um, and I would probably give up like I've, if the Mariners traded 
Kelnick, um, Dunn, and White for Blake Snell, I would be just fine with that. That's cool. Like, that works totally fine for me. Um, if you're talking about, again, the Justin Verlander types or the, I don't the Clayton Kershaw or whatever, um, then I don't, I don't think I'm interested in that. They're just, yeah. you know, they're too past their prime. Um, I just, no, I, I mean, that's the thing for me, basically we're getting to the point where if I'm trading Kelnick or Julio, I better be getting Blake Snell and, um, or maybe even somebody like, um, Aaron Nola. But again, these are, pitchers who are on teams that are playoff contenders there's no reason for these guys to be traded this year so um you know to answer your question i think i'm probably trading julio um but they've gotten to a point now where they're just 1a and 1b um and if and honestly if you ask me this question tomorrow i might change my mind but i think you know the important thing here is, is that i'm not trading either of them for anything less than a young established star major league pitcher who has three or four years of club control left at least. Um, Those guys don't grow on trees and the teams that do have them, they're not looking to sell them. So um, like I said, if it gets me Blake Snell or Aaron Nola or, you know, Walker Bueller or whatever, then fine. I'm totally there. But if we're talking about, you know, Matt Boyd, no, get out of here with that. (laughs) That's a a non-starter and I'm hanging up on you. And I like Matt Boyd, I mean, a lot. So, uh, but no, that's that's ridiculous. Um, even somebody like Jose Barrios, probably a no for me. You know, Barrios is a good pitcher. Um, what about Shane Bieber? Eh, um, oh man, that's it's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> No, I don't think so. I, yeah. I mean, he was really good this year. Uh, I mean, like elite probably should be a Cy Young contender. Um, and he does have club control through 2024. I don't know. I, I, I just There's something about Shane Bieber that I don't quite buy yet, um, which is insane because we're 320, oh, 330 innings into his career, 10.31K per nine, 1.72 base on ball per nine with an 8.3 F4, I probably should in a, you know, three, two, nine fifth. I probably should believe in Shane Bieber already. Um, but I don't, for some reason, I just, yeah. I don't know. Like I, I right. could be what talking. If, right. What about trading uh, Kelnick back to the Mets for DeGrom? <laughs> oh, man. Um, the problem with DeGrom and believe me, I've actually had this thought before is his age. Um, he's, you know, he's going to be 32 in June, uh, in the middle of June. Um, he is, you know, he is uh, somewhat controllable. He's got a, uh, his contract runs through 2023, but he can opt out after 2022. In 2024, he has a club option. Um, we're talking, what, 30 some odd million dollars the next three years. We're talking David Price money. Um, DeGrom's better than Price, certainly. Um but here's the deal. If I'm trading Kelnick for DeGrom, then the Mariners need to go out and they need to sign like Anthony Rendon too. Like at that stage, it's go time. Like 
you make a trade for DeGrom, you're telling the world you're a World Series contender this year, and your other actions have to match that. So um, I like DeGrom a lot. Um, and if that hypothetical never-going-to-happen trade actually went down, I would be fine with it. I think that's, you know, that's, yeah. I'd be fine with it, but I'd also, at that point, would demand. It would be pretty funny. It would be pretty would. funny to, to, to trade Kelnick back to, to them. For... So basically, yeah, you basically have traded Diaz and Cano for DeGrom and Justin Dunn. Um, oh. Yep, works for me. But yeah, I mean, DeGrom would be DeGrom would be a lot of fun. And only, but only if the Mariners say, okay, we're in in 2020. Because you have to take advantage of that window you have with DeGrom. So, um yeah, they've decided, oh, you know what, we're actually going to surprise people and go for it in 2020, then fine. Um, but I hope that the DeGrom, sign, the DeGrom trade's backed up with like a Odorizzi signing and a, you know, I don't, the Byron Buxton trade or something like, you know, something crazy. Like it's it's go time at that point. So, um, Could you see them flipping their, their then this is kind of going off, off the beaten path, but Let's say the Astros lose Garrett Cole, which seems to be a pretty legit uh, situation here that's going to happen. Maybe they decide we're going to trade George Springer. We're going to trade Carlos Correa because we can't afford to pay all these guys. You know, all these guys are starting to come up to to getting new contracts and everything like that. Um, If you're the Mariners and you see that happen, do you pivot? Do you start to get more aggressive about 2020 and 2021? Uh, probably 2021, not 2020. Like my my feeling on this has always been 2021. The goal is to win 85 games, give or take, right? Um, yeah. And then 2022 is when you would make your your big jump, um, and that's also when you would spend your money on your you know Yearland Doors and um, whoever else is in that free agent class. Um, Bryant, whatever. I, I think that's you know kind of been my focus now. If you know you're talking about Garrett Cole leaves and they trade George Springer, who's got one year left. Um, you know, Correa stays hurt. Uh, Correa just has not been able to stay healthy in his career. Just shame, good player. Uh, you know, he he gets hurt and Verlander takes a step back, and Granky's like thirty. 39 years old or however old Granky is. He takes a step back. Um, then I can see really going hard in 2020 uh, in the offseason. Uh, but before that, it just it's tough to envision because you still have to deal with Oakland, who's better than you. You still have to deal with um, Anaheim and Texas, who are both, as of right now, probably better than you. Um, I, I don't know. It would be a lot of fun because our jobs would be so much easier. Um <laughs> But I just I don't see there's any reason for them to pivot um, unless, you know, of course, we get into July next year and the Mariners are five games up on the Astros and the AL West and they're the surprise team that everybody's talking about. Then, yeah, get aggressive. But other than that, uh, no. Stick to the plan unless we don't have one, like John Heyman says. Um, oh, I had to but, get that one in there, huh? Oh, always. <laughs> John Heyman is trash. The end. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, ugh. I, I honestly, I feel like him and uh, who's the other guy, Bob, Bob Nightingale. Nightingale. They're just 
hell bent on being the worst reporter in the world. Um, <laughs> I'm going to outdo Bob by saying this. And Bob's like, well, I'm not going to be able to do basic math, so take that. Huh? And they're just going back and forth. And it's, just, <laughs> it's a battle of the idiots to see who ends up on top, uh, I guess. But, uh, yeah, you know, despite what they, uh, they want to tell you, the Mariners do have a plan, and the plan is working, whether or not it ends up working at the end of the day. We don't know. They could end up not working at all, but I, I'm feeling pretty good that it's going to. So um, unless there is like um, a seismic shift in the American League's power structure, no, you should just stick to the plan. But uh, anyways, I think that's all the questions we have for today. So that's going to wrap up. <laughs> oh, boy. This, that's going to wrap up this podcast. Uh, I, the reason I stumbled there a little bit, uh, Joe Madden's having his introductory press conference today. Uh, and apparently one of the first things he said is, uh, we're going to bunt this year, guys. So, um, <laughs> okay, Joe. <laughs> that's that, that's something. Anyways, um, so yeah, thanks for all the questions, guys. I'm glad we got to kind of unload a few of them uh, this week that were left over from last week. But uh Thank you guys uh, so much for listening. Ty, do you have anything you want to say before we uh, before we kind of wrap up this podcast? Um, yeah, uh, next week we're gonna start unveiling our our off season plan. We might have a podcast for that as we kind of work through it and make our concise uh, overall plan. Um, so that should be really fun. Um, yeah, we got the World Series and just enjoy baseball while it's still here because yeah, it's going to be gone for the next four or so months and uh yeah the off season is our favorite part but, yeah it, uh, is. it yeah, is yeah but not gonna but, lie we we yeah. enjoy the off season but um you know it's it's still sad to see baseball go for a little bit and uh yeah so enjoy while it's here because i don't know with the way that the nats are playing it might be over on uh on saturday, saturday. yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah. honestly, real fast, what do you think would be a better, like, F you to the, to the Astros? Do you think it'd be better if the, if the, um, if the Nationals swept them? Or do you think it would be better if they get back to Houston? You know, Houston gets a little hope. They win, like, two in a row. And then at, you know, at Minute Maid or whatever it's called now, uh, the Nationals just, you know, dance on their home field as they win the World uh, Series. Sweep with sweep with a walk off off of Osuna. Oh my God, that would be. <laughs> That's true because the only way you can walk off Osuna is in these next uh, three games. So. Yeah. I mean, oh my God, could you imagine? And then like Rendon hits it, and then the camera's following him around the bases, and he looks at it, and he's like, "Thank God they traded for Osuna." Uh, oh. Yeah. Oh my God, give give him all the money if he does that. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, I just, you know, at the end of the day, go Nationals. I don't really care how they get it done. Just uh, win the World Series here, and uh, I'll be happy. But, yeah, like Ty mentioned, next week is kind of the offseason plan. Um, they're actually due from our riders tomorrow. Um, and we have, I think we have four participants this year. Seems to be the, um, you know, you have uh, myself, Ty, uh, Colton, and um, Josh. Josh is, yep. I was trying to remember Josh sent his in really early. So, uh, he was on top of things, whereas Ty and I are procrastinating. Um, 
not for a crack. It's hard. It's hard. It man. is, man. It I, is. I, I came. I came to you with a very optimistic <laughs> deal last all, night. We're all optimistic, man. We're all trying to make yeah. our, our favorite players work and all that stuff. But uh, yeah. yeah, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, so that's due tomorrow, and then I don't know. With four participants last year, I think we had like six. Um, with four participants, this might just end up being me and Ty hammering this out. Um, like I said, the goal here is to take at least something from every plan and just kind of cobble together, you know, a realistically ideal off season, I guess is the way we would, we would try to phrase that. Um, if you guys want to have some fun, I'll post, uh, on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at Soto Mojo FS and I'll post last year's off season plan. You can see how uh, stupid we are, but, uh, I, I think we got one right though. I think we got, I think we called the Yusei signing. So, um, but yeah, it was, yeah. Oh yeah, go ahead. I, what's interesting about that though is, is that we did it right before the offseason started and we decided to make the assumption that the Mariners weren't going to be sellers. Oops. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, oops. Yeah, that's right. um, yeah we signed AJ Pollock, Lonnie Chisenhall, and we traded for Keon Broxton. Yeah. <laughs> so we got two right, kind of. Oh wait, yep. did we even put Kukuchi in our plan? Uh, I don't look. think we did now that I think about it. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Oh, okay. yeah, we did. What, what was the contract we, we came up with? Uh, six years, $54 million. And he got seven at 100-ish. So, yeah, you know, pretty close, pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, when you look at the structure of the contract, we got pretty close. But uh, 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 we also signed Andrew Miller, Paul Fry, and uh, Luke Mele. Oh, the catcher. Yeah. So, I mean, we got one right and kind of, kind of two. If you want to count Broxton eventually. Um, I mean, hey, considering that we were going into that with the idea that they're going to try and win in 2019, I think that actually went pretty well. So, yes. uh, this year we know that they're not going to be doing that. Uh, at least we think we know. So, uh, hopefully we'll and be. So a they little... are going to be buyers. <laughs> <laughs> You heard it here for uh, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, Anthony Rendon and Jake Odorizzi to the Mariners. Book it. Um, yeah. It's going to happen because we're saying it's not. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was that. It was still it was a fun exercise, and we actually got like I said, we had five or six people, so it was uh, nice to bounce ideas off of each other, things like that. Um, you know, with with just four people, it's probably going to be not as you know. Um, it's not going to take as long. I think we discussed the off season plan last year for like two or three days in the, uh, in a discord. Um, probably not going to do that this year. Um, like I said, at the end of the day, it'll probably be me and Ty sitting down and kind of mashing all four plans together and trying to get, um, you know, trying to get, uh, something that we, we can like and, uh, agree on. So, We'll see how all that goes, but that it, we are hoping to have that published a week from tomorrow, November 1st. Um, really what takes the most amount of time is actually creating the plan. Writing it's not too bad, um, but creating the plan is it, it, it takes some time sometimes. So we'll see how all that works out. But yeah, expect that next week. Waiting to hear back on the off-season simulation uh, that we've done the last couple of years. We have a new uh, site head, uh, or not site, a new... Uh, what do they call it? Division. 
Uh, division head, yes. We have a new division head this year. So, you know, he just started about a month ago, give or take. So um, there's a lot of things still up in the air. We have spoken to other uh, other site experts, uh, the, uh, pers- uh, the prospective sites, and uh, we have been met with a lot of uh, um, encouragement, I would say. I, I think a lot of people are excited about it. So I'm guessing it happens. It might be a little delayed this year. But the off-season plan or the off-season simulation probably happens. If you guys don't remember what that is, that's a lot of fun as well. Um, that is a three or four-day, basically free-for-all, where all the nerds who run these fan-sided websites get together and act like general managers for three days. We make trades and we sign free agents, and then we just kind of throw it out there at the end and say, "Oh, look, this is what we did um, this off-season." It's a ton of fun for us. You guys seem to enjoy reading about it. Uh, I, we did get Yusei Kikuchi in that last year. So, um, heck that one might've been a little more accurate than our off season plan, because at that point we kind of knew that they were selling. So, um, I'm going to pull that up too. That'd be fun to look at, but, uh, yeah, so that, that's what we're looking at here, guys. November is usually a pretty big month for us. So stay tuned to all that. And of course, if you want to read all that stuff, you have to go to sotomojo.com, um, we would really appreciate it if you guys would uh, visit the website. We'd also appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any new episodes. And follow us on Twitter, at SotoMojoFS. Uh, that's where we kind of get ideas. Uh, you know, we bounce ideas off of you guys. That's where we take our, uh, our podcast questions. Um, if you guys have a trade proposal you want to make for the Mariners, we're doing a series right now where we round up a bunch of Mariner trade proposals from you, the fans. And we kind of, uh, you know, we kind of look at them and, make small suggestions and tweaks and whether or not this is reasonable or not, we're doing that series. So make sure you check that out at sotomojo.com. Um, Ty, I asked you this once and then we, sp- and then we ended up talking for an extra 20 minutes, but anything you want to say? Uh, Last that's it. Yeah. No, let's wrap it up. All right. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, and I will see you in another life. Peace out. Peace. Go Nats. Go Nats. <laughs>